Inshallah, it's going to be a, I have to explain to the sisters there. <laughs> it's going to be a short trip, but look at the weather. We came late because my mother-in-law, she's in the hospital. Yeah. Okay, it's recording. Okay. I'll tell you after Allah. this is recording. Okay. You <coughs> sure? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa na'udhu bihi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyiati a'malina. وأشهدوا أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه أما بعد Dear committed brothers and sisters أيها المؤمنون This past week there were two commemorative type of events within the course of this past week. One of them was remembering the day in which the Prophet addressed uh, around a hundred thousand Muslims and it is known in certain literature as Yawm Ghadir Khum and the Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, gave a khutbah. Within that khutbah, he said, and there's also little different wordings from one book to the other, but generally speaking, the meaning is the same. He said, Ana awla bil min anfusihim. من كنت مولاه فهذا علي مولاه اللهم والي من والاه وعادي من عاداه The meaning of this uh, statement that has become uh, like a theme for lectures and for khutbas and discussions and even some essays and books and booklets etc. The meaning of this statement is the Prophet is saying to the Muslims, I have preference over the rest of the Muslims. I am the priority of each Muslim, each committed Muslim even more than they are of their own selves. And then he goes on to say, مَنْ كُنْتُ مَوْلَاهِ فَهَذَا عَلِيٌّ مَوْلَاهِ Whoever considers me in such a position should consider Ali 
and he's re- referring to his cousin and son-in-law to be in the same position so oh Allah be the the superior priority of those who are who regard al-imam Ali as such and be the opponent of those who are in opposition of al-imam Ali being as such that's the meaning of this statement that right now has worked itself into a frenzy of by some Muslims fanaticism by other Muslims uh, well let's just forget this whole issue it's it'll open up a, a, a a can of worms and these types of things that's one of the incidents that was commemorated in the past week another incident that was was probably remembered by some people but more than likely forgotten or disregarded by many people and that is 50 years in which there was an attempt to burn al-masjid al-aqsa now i'm just going to ask a question which one of these issues concerns us immediately in our life both of these issues concern us there's no doubt about that but which one of them are we involved in on almost a daily basis and it affects our life in more ways than many ways it's the second issue al-masjid al-aqsa the occupation of al-masjid al-aqsa area the colonization of al-quds and palestine this is an issue that is in the vein of our life yet this issue sort of passed by without many people even remembering that this happened exactly 50 years ago this past week that speaks a lot and even those who are speaking about the first issue do they relate it to the other issue are these issues related you can ask these types of people and you some of you probably uh, watched some programs or attended some programs in which this type of issue was presented now I want to go back to the first issue in which the Prophet and this is recorded in almost all the books of reliable hadith whether they are Shia books or Sunni books it doesn't matter it's in all of them you'll find it so the the problem with some Muslims is that they consider this hadith to delegitimize Abu Bakrin and Umar and Uthman. That's how they understand the hadith. We they they read it, they some of them translate it into their own language, and then they say, therefore, Abu Bakr, Umar, and Uthman, when they were ruling, they were illegitimately ruling. The hadith doesn't say anything like that. That's number one. Number two, let us go into this little, 
We've done this many times before, but we want to add to it because sectarianism now has become a plan for warfare and for divisions among the Muslims. Let us remind ourselves on this occasion in this week, let us remind ourselves of the relationship between Al-Imam Ali on one side and the rest of those who some people think were enemies of Al-Imam Ali. In reality they were not, but that's how some people think. In the first instance, when Abu Bakr was um, agreed upon by Al-Muhajireen and Al-Ansar and the rest of the Muslims, when he was agreed upon to become the leader of the Muslims, Abu Sufyan went up to him and he said, and I'm going to quote Abu Sufyan, وَلَّيْتُمْ عَلَى هَذَا الْأَمْرِ أَذَلَّ بَيْتٍ فِي قُرَيْشٍ أَمَا وَاللَّهِ لَإِنْ شِئْتُمْ لَأَمْلَأَنَّهَا عَلَى أَبِي فَصِيلٍ خَيْلًا وَرِجَالًا Abu Sufyan here, I, I want the sectarians to listen. Alhamdulillah, not many of us are, but they're around, they have their influence, they have money, they have resources, they have connections, they have governments. Abu, Abu Sufyan is saying to Imam Ali, when Abu Bakr was agreed upon to become the leader of the Muslims, he said to him, you have relegated this affair, meaning the governance of the Muslims, to one of the most debased clans of Quraysh. Abu Bakr comes from a clan that is not like Bani Hashim and Bani Umayyah. So he, he, he's saying to Imam Ali, if you want me, I will pack against him all the manpower and all the, in today's language, all the armed forces that are available. Now, if Imam Ali was thinking that Abu Bakr is illegitimate, he wouldn't have responded to Abi Sufyan the way he did. So what did Imam Ali say? And I quote here again. He said to, Aba, to Abu Sufyan, you have been for a long time cheating the Muslims and the folks of Islam. You, you, you haven't done any harm. We don't need your military power and we don't need your manpower. This was a position, but for those sectarians, we asked you if there was some type of serious animosity between Abi Bakr and Umar and Uthman on one side and Imam Ali on the other side, why did Abu Sufyan come and approach Imam Ali and say to him these words and listen to the quote that I just said, the way Al-Imam responded to him. Then we come to Omar. Some people, and this is where it gets really tough for some people to understand, especially the sectarians on both sides. 
the Sunni sectarians and the Shi'i sectarians, both. What did if if there was this friction of almost bad feelings between Omar on one side and Ali on the other side? Why would Omar say the following? And this is also quoted in the books of Hadith, but sectarians don't want you to know this. Omar said, "Lola Aliun lahalaka Omar." If it wasn't for Ali, Omar would have been in bad shape, would have been destroyed. Another statement that that Omar said pertaining to Ali: "La abqani Allahu li mu'zilatin laysa laha Abu al-Hasan." I ask Allah that he not leave me with any problem that does not have Abu al-Hasan to solve it. Abu al-Hasan is reference to Imam Ali. So uh, does this indicate that there's some type of bad feelings between the two individuals? And then in another statement, لا Omar says concerning Imam Ali, لا أبقاني الله في أرض ليس فيها لست فيها يا أبا الحسن. I plead with Allah not to leave me in a land in which you, Omar is speaking to Imam Ali, in which you, Abu al-Hasan, are not available, are not present, is not present. Why do sectarians ask yourselves? And I sometimes I'm surprised why some Muslims don't have the courage to stand up to these sectarians and tell them, why are you omitting some of history? It's in your books, the books that you refer to. If it's a Sunni sectarian, don't don't speak to him about Shi'i books. If it's a Shi'i sectarian, don't speak to him about Sunni books. It's in their own books. Uh, they want to create problems on this occasion. Then it comes to the relationship of Imam Ali with Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha. Here once again, we have this sectarian attitude that rears its ugly head on these occasions. Let's see what type of... And we know that there was uh, a war between Imam Ali on one side and Aisha, Umm al-Mu'mineen and Talha and the Zubair on the other side. That's, that's history. No one can deny this. But this serious difference of going to war, did it create bad feelings? Did it create fanaticism? And I'll show you why it did not. And these also quotes are in the common books. Aisha said concerning the ayah in the Quran in Surah Al-Ahzab إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمُ الرِّجْسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَهِّرَكُمْ تَطْهِيرًا If you read the ayat before this ayah and the ayat after this ayah you will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about the Prophet's wives And then the ayat go on. Aisha, who is from 
the Prophet's wife said concerning this ayah, قَدْ نَزَلَتْ بِحَقِّ أَهْلِ الْكِسَاءِ This ayah was revealed pertaining to the rights of the folks of Al-Kisa. And Al-Kisa is known among Sunnis and Shi'is. There's no difference of definition to be Imam Ali, Fatima, Al-Hasan, and Al-Husayn with the Prophet with them. Those are Ahl Al-Kisa. And Fatima said, she acknowledged these are Ahl Al-Kisa. Aisha said, and this is in the common book, Sunnis and Shi'is. Aisha said, concerning Fatima, the daughter of our beloved Prophet, مَا رَأَيْتُ أَحَدًا كَانَ أَشْبَهَ سَمْتًا وَهَدِيًا بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ I haven't seen anyone who most resembles in their features and in their guidance someone who resembles Rasulullah more than Fatima. ما رأيت أحدا كان أشبه سمتا وهديا برسول الله من فاطمة كان إذا دخل عليها قام إليها كانت إذا دخل عليها قام when Fatima Fatima used to enter upon him meaning her father he would stand for her وأخذ بيدها and he would take her by her hand وقبلها and he would kiss her وَأَجْلَسَهَا فِي مَجْلِسَهِ And he would sit her where he is sitting. وَكَانَ إِذَا دَخَلَ عَلَيْهَا And when the Prophet himself would enter into Fatima's chamber, قَامَتْ إِلَيْهِ She would stand for him. فَأَخَذَتْ بِيَدِهِ She would take his hand. فَقَبَّلَتْهُ And she would kiss him. وَأَجْلَسَتْهُ فِي مَجْلِسِهَا and she would sit him, her father, Rasulullah, where she is sitting. This is Aisha speaking about Fatima. The sectarians, who as I said, I'm not speaking about sectarians because they are nobodies. I'm speaking about them because they have influence. They have masajid. They have Islamic centers. They have budgets. They have treasuries. They have ministries. They have governments. And then, as this day is a rainy day and we have to make it somewhat concise, then let, remi- re- let me remind you, Imam Jafar al-Sadiq said, That he is born of Abi Bakrin twice. On his mother's side, he is related to Asma bint Abi Bakr. On his father's side, he is related to Abdul Rahman, to Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr. So on both sides of his parents, he could call Abba Bakrin my great-grandfather. And we didn't hear, I, I haven't heard, I don't go to the extremist sectarians, you might find it there, 
But among the moderate sectarians, I haven't heard anyone trying to highlight Al-Imam Jafar al-Sadiq's statement concerning his great-great-grandmother Asma' and his great-great-grandfather Muhammad, both of them the brother and sister of Aisha and the daughter and son of Abi Bakr. It doesn't exist. So these, this basis for sectarianism we should have nothing to do with. And these people who fan the flames of this fanaticism should think more than once and rethink themselves when they see, when they see the Muslim mind with divisions and with bad feelings. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu ittaqu allaha wa kunu ma'as-sadiqeen Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu ittaqu allaha haqqa tuqatih wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfiru allaha li wa lakum ud'uhu subhanah وَأَنْتُمْ عَلَى يَقِينٍ بِالْإِجَابَةِ الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم I wanted to head the weather permitted I wanted to speak in some detail maybe I'll do it in another khutbah next week or thereafter when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us better weather conditions here I wanted to speak about the uh, Judeo-Christian Zionist imperialist mix-up that we have in our minds Many Muslims think if you're speaking about a Jew, you're automatically automatically speaking about a Zionist. Or, when you're speaking about a Zionist, you're automatically speaking about a Jew. That's That circulates. And uh, troublemakers inside of us and outside of us, they're playing on our ignorance in this area. And the same thing with Christians. Any, anytime some Muslim refers to a Christian, they think, oh... The, these are imperialists. Or anytime someone is referring to imperialists, oh, these are Christians. This is an area that has to be cleared up. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the fair conditions to work on clearing this out in the minds and in the hearts of the Muslims. In the meantime, we know, this is a fact of life, we know that there are babies, there are children, there are dispossessed human beings. So I call them Muslims. Human beings. Almost everywhere you look on the Islamic map. Children in, right now, Kashmir. This, is, this has the potential of blowing up into a world war that will have an, an effect on all the societies of the world. These, we're talking about a nuclear India, a nuclear Pakistan, and a nuclear China. 
The three of them are around Kashmir. And what if they begin shooting and it develops into a nuclear issue? What do the clergymen have to say? Whether they are Hindu clergymen or whether they are Muslim clergymen or whether they are Christian or whoever they are. What do they have to say? Do they want to speak to us after the tragedy? We can't pre-think the tragedy. May Allah exclude us from such a development. It should be something that Muslims on this day of taqwa should be speaking about in their masajid, on the manabir, throughout the world. But somehow, you know, they, they, they find solace in their silence. وَالسَّاكِتُ عَنِ الْحَقِّ شَيْطَانٌ Whoever fails to speak about the truth and the facts is a speechless Satan. There is a hadith that is referred to the Prophet says. Why do we Muslims, why do we react to issues when they are being planned these people who speak, what do they speak about on Friday? They speak about being good, being passionate, being loving, being caring. Be, okay, who, do you, are, who are you passionate for? Who do you care for? If you're afraid to speak about Muslims in Kashmir, or Muslims in Palestine, or Muslims in Myanmar, or Muslims in China, or Muslims in North Africa, or Muslims wherever they are, if you're afraid to speak about these Muslims, what value do you have? Why should you be speaking to begin with? Descend from the minbar. Exit the masjid. When are we going to wake up? How, how long is going to take? Uh, do I have to personally be victimized to, be, to begin to speak out against tyrants and dictators and autocrats? Do I personally have to be victimized? This is the way we, be, we act and behave. Some of, what, what are some of the issues we should be concerned with? One of the issues we should be concerned with, with is the war that is going on in Yemen and has been going on now for more than four years. Why, why shouldn't this be the talk of the town? 20 million Yemenis this, this number doesn't come from Muslims. It comes from the United Nations. 20 million Yemenis are potentially going to die because of hunger and because of disease. And we say we're, we are brothers to each other. Why are the Saudis killing people in Yemen and been doing so for four years running? And alhamdulillah, these brothers and sisters in Yemen are not weaklings. They, with the anticipated valor and courage, they stood up against this Zionist, imperialist, Saudi scheme. And they did well. And now they are targeting, just like the Saudis were targeting areas in Yemen, certain infrastructure, 
certain vital interests. Now, the Muslims in Yemen are having the Saudis experience the taste of their own medicine, so to speak. And alhamdulillah, they've gained now missiles with a range of 1,700 kilometers. And the Emiratis, the United Arab Emirates, who were active participants in this war, recruiting mercenaries from around the world. They said, oh, we, we don't want anything to do with this war any longer. It didn't go our way. We didn't think it's going to continue. We didn't think it was going to continue for this long, and so we want out. And so right now they're beginning to move out of their own trap. The rise of racism—that shouldn't that be a concern? If we Muslims are saying that we are all equal, we just a couple of weeks ago reminded ourselves of Hajjat al-Wada'. When the Prophet said, لا فضل لعربي على أعجمي ولا لأبيض على أسود and vice versa, إلا بالتقوى. Okay, we have racism showing its ugly face all over the world. What do you want? What do you, you want one member in your family to become a victim of racism for you to begin to encourage speakers to speak up against racism? Is that what it's going to take? Three, two or three weeks ago, three masjids in Germany were vacated. The Muslims who went there to attend prayers were told, get out, because there's a threat. There's some bomb that's going to go off. We have in Egypt... The government there has extended, I don't know if you came across this news item a few weeks ago, the government in Egypt extended the state of emergency for nine months. Have you ever thought that we Muslims have been living in a state of emergency for over nine centuries? We've been living in a state of emergency. No freedoms. They go into anyone's home. They arrest whomever they want to arrest. And then who knows about them? Nothing. No one knows. They disappear. They disappear and we are silent. We're not in prison. We can speak our mind and our conscience. So why don't we? Why don't we say, how, how long, for, how far and for how long is this going to continue? Just present that question. Don't answer it. Present the question in the khutbah, in your lecture, in your social communication. And then there was a Jewish organization who overtook, a couple of weeks ago, they overtook a Christian charity, something belongs to Christians, doesn't belong to Muslims, in Jerusalem. When you read something like that, have you ever thought about why don't Christian Palestinians appear anywhere in the West as if they don't exist? They could, Masajid could invite them, churches could invite them, social organizations can invite them. They have many opportunities, but no one, as if they don't exist. 
Let them speak about their experience to have the world know that Zionism is not only victimizing Muslims, but is also victimizing Christians. But no, no one wants to invite anyone like that to speak anywhere. These messages are too busy with sectarianism, Sunni and Shi'i issues. They can't expand their thoughts to the range of the Qur'an. Speaking about sectarianism uh, or racism, this businessman that we have in the White House, and he's a businessman, he wants to buy Greenland. Everyone heard about that. He wants to buy Greenland. Of course, he offended the Danish, who are the the, uh, sovereigns of that piece of land. So now, the, the racism here in this country is thinking about going legal. And they are saying right now, they don't want to give American citizenship to those who are born in the United States as part of the Constitution, but they want to overturn all of these laws that were in vogue all of these centuries, and now racism has kicked in. Oh, no. So what if you're born in the United States? It doesn't mean you, you can become a United States citizen. And they don't want to give flu vaccination to immigrants in this country. And they want to have the right, these racists in the government, want to have the right to hold those they call illegal immigrants, those are their words, they want to hold them in detention centers indefinitely. And Muslims on this day are supposed to be moral Muslims, concerned Muslims, compassionate Muslims, awakened Muslims, but no. Go to the masajid and they'll put you to sleep. These issues don't concern us until their knife reaches our neck. At that moment, we'll say, well, well, this issue, yeah, I think I should begin to think about this issue now. When it's probably going to be too late. And alhamdulillah, may, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase his blessings and his uh, care for us. Alhamdulillah, we have a force in Lebanon that has put the fear of Allah in the hearts, if they have hearts, of the Zionists. In a broadcast last week, the leader of the Islamic resistance said to the Israelis, if you dare, I'm paraphrasing obviously, if you dare go to war with us, we will live broadcast to you the details of this war. You will see it live on your TV sets and your cell phones. Now it takes some technology, some more important, some confidence to come out and state the facts as they are. And then now we have something that is developing which you may call the unity of resistance. The Israelis have been bombing inside of Iraq. That means the Israelis the Zionists 
are inviting to the war front another country. The Israelis are talking about bombing inside of Yemen, Bab al-Mandab, the strait between Asia and Africa. They want to go after Ansarullah. Well, you're welcome. What you are, what you have, what you are doing now, and what you are planning on doing in the coming months and years, if you have that long to live, is what you always have concealed. You were involved in these types of warfare decisions before, but you were hiding behind the scenes. Now, anyone who has two eyes and two ears can see and understand everything that you are doing. And then we have a Saudi journalist who writes an article in an Israeli newspaper this past, just a couple of days ago. The newspaper is Israel Ha'al Yawm. Israel Today. That newspaper is financed by Sheldon Adelson, the same financier of the Trump campaign. It's a newspaper that is the ultra ego of Netanyahu. This Saudi could have found another newspaper. No, no, he picked this particular one. And what did he say in this to make a long article in a line or two? He said that the survival of the Arabian Peninsula rulers is going to be accomplished by allying themselves with Israel. And he said in his article, okay, people are going to ask, how about the Palestinians? What happens to the Palestinians? He said, the Palestinians will have to make do with Jordan. Jordan is their country Jordan is their homeland. Now we have a very clear alliance between this. The more the days and the months go by, the more obvious it becomes that the Saudis who are officially and off the record both saying that Iran is our major enemy no longer Israel. Israel right now is their major friend. Compare this. Just do a quick mental comparison. We know the hostility and the animosity that the Saudis have towards the Islamic Republic of Iran. But has the Islamic Republic of Iran on the tongue of any of its officials, has it ever said that Saudi Arabia is our number one enemy? and then entered into some type of alliance with Israel. Imagine if this would have happened on the other side. What would have happened? But it's obvious, everyone can see right now, who's the enemy and who's the friend. If you can't see it now, you probably will never be able to see it. And the diagnosis of your ailment can be traced to this sectarianism that has poisoned the Muslim mind and that has poisoned the Muslim heart. اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين إماما 
اللهم اهدنا فيمن هديت وعافنا فيمن عافيت وتولنا فيمن توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك وإنه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت فلك الحمد على ما قضيت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعما يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون يعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور وأقم الصلاة وأرحنا بها